0: Welcome to the intro, I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. We have a part
1: du for you all today on storytelling. Oh, yes, we do. So if you listen to story, so if you're listening to this one from fresh, then listen to part (laughs) I <laughs> that's not right what's the i don 't know all I know is do, so listen to part
0: one, <laughs> yeah, episode one forty, so this will be episode one forty one if you 're listening to this, go listen to episode one forty that 's part one of this for yeah. those of you that don 't speak French. This is part two where we revisit some of the things we dig in a little deeper, we do some role playing we try and give you some examples of how to use storytelling. And again, the goal is to just help you be more successful. So that's what we're trying to do. Um, Quick announcements. It's Uh, not conference season. It's not yet. We're coming up on conference season, but it's a little
1: it's a little too early. So we'll let you know where we're going in in conference season as things unfold. Uh, Other than that, like us, feedback. We're getting more and more feedback Mm -hmm. from email and from blog feedback. So give us the feedback. Vote on us. uh, Like us. Heart us. Yep. Thumbs up. If huh. you like what we're doing,
0: help us out and share. You know that that was one of those things I so we have a Patreon campaign set up and I get this email from them every once in a while they talk about why people give and somebody drew a parallel of hey if you go out to to drink with a buddy, you're going to leave a tip to the bartender of like a buck. Right? We aren't asking you for a buck if you want to give us a buck great. Patreon's there, you can do that. But how you can help us is give us a share, give us a like, do something like that where you help us spread the word.
1: That's, that's really cool. Telling a quick story. I was talking, I was doing some private coaching this morning Mm -hmm. uh, to this guy and uh, he was in uh, Nebraska where Walmart is. Oh Mm -hmm. no, no, whatever it is, uh, Arkansas. Oh yeah. uh, Bentonville, Arkansas. Mm -hmm. And he's like, this is not the most vibrant agile community on the planet outside of Walmart. And he's like, uh, he and a buddy, we're doing some self study, and they and he's like, I. He said, I'm going to give you feedback. Uh, we happened on the Metacast and the podcast, and he said, from our point of view, and we listened to them together. Mm-hmm. And he said, this guy just got a new leadership role at mm-hmm. a company. Yeah, he said he was inspired by you. He's like Josh inspired this his friend yes. to apply to a job, and he got a job. I think Sweet. he's just starting this week or something. That's
0: exciting! Congratulations!
1: And they're. And, and this is this is training for them. This mm-hmm. is uh, helping them. And he just said, "I want to say thank you." And Fantastic! I, and, it, and he had turned his buddy on. And then they had turned, they're turning other, they had just recommended to a local group or something. They're, they're trying to be like little, uh, that's exciting. Lightning rods for us in that area. They're doing their best. He's like, we're, we really like the, what's, what's going on on the podcast. And he, and they did something at a meeting and he's like, and, and by the way, it's great. And it's free. Yeah. And you, you know, why don't you do that? And and so that's the kind of stuff that we're looking for, Metacasters, is just get the word out. Yep. Uh, help us out. Help us help others out. Mm-hmm. And we can create more stories like that. Uh, so without further ado. I do. On to the. On to part do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On to the episode. <laughs> <laughs>
0: On Medicast. I'm Josh Anderson. I'm Bob Galen. Hi hey, he's y'all. Re-
1: he's ready. I'm not that ready. You I'm, just
0: told me you were I'm ready. I'm like
1: moderately ready.
0: You you said, no, no, sometimes I am off. like all Let's you know eight going.
1: cylinders fired up ready, right? What do you like? Seven cylinders today? I'm probably like running on five. you got some misfires? I mean what's uh, going on?
0: Yeah, I'm old, Josh.
1: You need a tune up? <laughs> do I need a tune up? <laughs> yeah. The answer is yes. I need a new set of... T- Do you want me to give you the list, the maintenance list? You don't have that much time. Exactly.
0: That would be like a three-part.
1: <laughs> exactly. I'm going to live in the garage for a little while.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. So today's topic is, is a continuation a, from... Uh, from last episode. A part two? I don't know. I should. I a part two? <laughs> How did oh, I not know that was coming? I'm yeah, so,
1: baby. I'm yeah. so embarrassed. I'm like, I'm excited. Oh, I always gosh. love it when uh, you know we we do a part, a two-parter.
0: Yeah, I know.
1: How I forgot about that? Oh gosh,
0: just disturbing. I'm I'm terribly disappointed in myself for not knowing that was coming.
1: So this is part two of what storytelling? Storytelling.
0: All yep. right, We're we got gonna- some good feedback. Okay. About episode we did, 140. We did, we did get some yeah. good feedback. It, the stats on it were pretty good, so people apparently liked it. And at the end of last episode... You sound incredulous there. I, well, I was like, wait a minute. People wait. like that. They actually like what we had to say. Oh, my God. <laughs> we can't do that again. Uh, so at the end of the last episode, Bob does what he does, and he says, we're going to revisit this. Oh, yeah. I committed us. You to, got so excited at the I end of that episode, and, and then you were like, "We're going to revisit this, and so we're going to do role playing." So here we are, sort of role playing. So we've been wrestling with how to tackle this. Uh, the goal, the vision that I had in mind, was to create some situations that we expect you, the listeners, might have on a relatively regular basis as leaders, or agile coaches, or scrum masters, product owners, whatever your role may be, as a leader of some sort. Whether you're just a developer trying to help lead your team to get better, QA trying to lead quality to get better, or you're a manager, supervisor, VP, whatever your label is, you're all leaders out there. And you're all trying to make things better. I don't think you'd be listening to this podcast if you weren't trying to make things better. So our goal is to help arm you with a few more things that when these tricky situations come up, you have one extra tool in your tool belt, and then you're able to confidently go and attack the problem
1: so why don't we dive in do you want to go you want to dive in first uh sure and set the tone set the tenor
0: yeah i'm so- not a good dike can i do a cannonball
1: you can, yeah, you can, oh my God, the mental picture I'm scarred for the rest of the metal cast now you can, oh my God I'm gone
0: and I would yell I would scream I don't, you don't have to add any. as of, I, I got as it. I run and with a jump. beer
1: in your hand or some yeah. drink in your hand, yeah. a mixture no I would Chug Throw a shot of whiskey and, and then, then go, and then yeah. go, yeah, with a rebel yeah. yell. Yeah, yes, I <laughs> <Can> know. Yes, <them laughs> I know. Josh. I know. And the more people that were splashed, oh, I get the so happy you just thinking be, about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: Like a four-year-old.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Uh, so we had talked about like teams, team mm-hmm. behavior, and yeah. stuff like that. Do you want to dive into? Uh, you know, and it's not not so much a story, but examples. Let's say an example driven of how you would handle mm-hmm. a situation. And I won't chime in. I'll let you sort of. This is this is my no no. I'll critique at the end. But the way we we, we talked about doing this is you right. you would sort of talk around either mm-hmm. you know in a simulation how you would be talking to the team yeah in storytelling mode or example mode or or whatnot and sure. then and then you tell me when you're done and then we can sort of critique and maybe talk about how it could have gotten better. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tee up that one? I got you. One of the
0: things that I found in my travels is that unfortunately many teams don't know what a good team or a great team looks like. Like you're challenging them to get better. You're challenging them to become better teammates, but they don't really know what the finish line looks like. So I found that I use storytelling to help paint that picture for this is what we're striving for. This is what we're trying to become. There's a couple key things that I use to kick that off. And one of the things that I can tell you is that I've learned that you can't jam this all into people's brains all at once. So it has to be continuous storytelling. It can't be, Hey, I'm going to gather everybody. We're going to talk about what a great team is, you're going to now know what it is and you're going to go make it happen, right? Like you can't have that expectation that one talk gets it done. So things that I use, the long-term story that I tell is I start everybody off with debugging teams. And that's a book that I've used for years now that helps people understand what good teams are, what great teams look like. So I lean on research done by a group of folks from Google Ventures that have looked at thousands of teams and tried to figure out what that looked like. So I outsource some of that storytelling. But I make everybody consume that story. So the team reads through that book as like a book club, and they talk about it. So they start to tell their own stories about, okay, well, I didn't know I was that kind of teammate. So now I've got to refactor myself a little bit. So that, so that gets the party started. That gets people having a common nomenclature about the teams. Then what I do is I use a lot of examples. So in team meetings, at the end of each team meeting, I generally reserve five to 10 minutes at the end for what I call Josh's soapbox, where I get up on a soapbox and I kind of get preachy, right? And there's times where I feel bad about it and people start to roll their eyes like, Oh, here he goes again. But over time, I found through feedback that they appreciated that. But that was all just storytelling. And I, again, with my background in sports, I keep going back to some of those examples, which can be delicate because there are some people in our world that don't like sports. right? And they refer to it as sports ball. And you start talking about that, and they just shut down. But what I've been able to do over time is relate it. So mm-hmm. what I – so then – the the one I always start with, and this may hit people hard given what things happened yesterday, is I always go back to the
1: Patriots. <sighs> I know. Oh, I'm you. sorry. Oh, I, know. I hate I can't help it. I can't do something else. Green Bay. I
0: don't give a it's all right. All right it's all impossible, right. Right, it's they, right? It's your story. It's your story. Because ahead. they are the quintessential team, whether you like it or not, I don't like them. I don't cheer for them, but I appreciate what they, what they've been able to do and what they've done. And I've read a few books about it is they've created a culture that exists and continues no matter what the pieces and parts are. Yes, there's Bill and Tom. Those are the ones that really drive and own the culture, but they have, they have lost coaches. They've lost players. They've, they brought in new coaches. They brought in new, new players, but there's the Patriot way. Like it or love it, they're really good at being in the same team year over year. So I started to dig in about things that they did that enabled that to continue. And the one thing that I talk about, especially when talking to some of the more senior folks that are a part of my team, is I talk about the locker room setup that they have in place. There's a door where you walk into that locker room. The captains sit on opposite side of the door. And they are the eyes and ears of the team. So there was a story that I read where there was a rookie that came in. It was practice time. And the captains could smell the McDonald's on him. <laughs> and they stopped him. And they said, hey, rookie, listen. This is the NFL. We need you to be at peak physical condition. And McDonald's is not going to help you achieve that. Right? So it was those yep. little things. It it was... Everywhere they went, yep. the little things mattered, and they hit it right as players walked in the door. So if they weren't doing the right things, the leaders within the organization self-corrected. So that story that I use, I start telling the team about how important it is, and I can't think of a better term, that, 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 that they self-police. Right? So it's not a police state, but that, hey, this is who we are, and I want to empower the team to make sure that we remain and retain that. Otherwise things get unwieldy and then things start to go off the wheels and you end up like some of those other teams that maybe don't last as long and that maybe haven't been to however many AFC championships in a row, like the number in a row that the Patriots have been to, I think was nine in a row and 15 of the last 16. That's not normal. That may never happen again, but I firmly believe the reason that happened is because of the culture that they've created, both from Bill Belichick as the coach, but within the locker room, because that's really where it matters. Because Bill Belichick can't be everywhere. right? He can't be in every meeting. He can't watch every play. He can't do everything. So he has to rely on other leaders within the team to help grow and support that culture. So that's what I use, and I use lots of stories like that to talk about this is how teams become great. These are the things that need to happen for a team to become special. Otherwise, you're going to be like everybody else. You're going to be like that team, that company that you left because you didn't like the culture or there was no culture or whatever those reasons are. But now we have an opportunity to become special, but that only happens if you help, if you engage and if you are a part of this. So then those ongoing stories every month I try and give them a tool, an example of how other leaders are trying to do when I'm asking of them.
1: So part of those stories would be uh, things like attributes of the patriots, or I'm putting words in your mouth, but like to me, accountability. It uh, is, but I don't want to
0: leave it to just the attributes. Like I want to give them actionable things to do. Like I don't just want to say that's what good looks like. It's like that's what good looks like, and here's how they made it happen. Here's how you can do the same thing.
1: Okay, so what would that – I'm trying to picture what that story, or I'm trying to hear that replay. So that story would be – So to me,
0: the one about the captains so, so sitting talk, next to the door – So let's say
1: you have an agile team yeah. that, that lacks uh, team accountability, mm-hmm. individual uh-huh. accountability. What Bring that story to bear. Like what would that conversation look like in your – or pick another problem that the team right. would have. So, So that that's something that I've used, and I go back to,
0: again, football, because that's who I am. But we talk about in a play, there's 11 players that if everybody doesn't do their own job and do it well, and if I don't trust, if I don't trust, so you and I are next to each other. If I'm worried about you, if I'm worried whether you're going to make that block.
1: So now this is drilling into the details right. in your story, right? right?
0: I am okay. going to try and help you because I'm worried you're not going to get that block. So if
1: a team is, if it's a, if it's a left or whatever it is, yeah. if it's eight individuals and we're working as a team, but we're really not trusting and covering for one another effectively.
0: Well, it, it, it's, it's trusting and covering because sometimes there's, you cover too much. Okay. Right. And so that's where I was going was that if I start worrying about everybody else, I'm not worrying about myself. I'm not taking care of my job. So do your job. Trust that your neighbor is doing their job, but also trust that if your neighbor needs help, they're going to ask. Okay. Don't just start trying to help everybody because you're this mother hen running around. So if the team is
1: taking on too much or if the team is like having these kumbaya meetings where everyone has to be involved for approvals or something- or that slows everything down, which slows everything down, etc. So that's where you would bring out the patriots. You might, and mm-hmm. you would talk about sort of this notion of doing your job, right? Yeah, I mean you have visibility into what's going yeah. on, but don't you can dilute your attention. It's always let's start with you, right? Okay, all right.
0: Let's start with you. Be aware of other folks and help them, but understand there's a time and a place to help. You know, there's a time and a place. Let someone struggle a little bit. Okay. Let them ask for help. Okay. Let them learn. Be there when they need help. Got it. But don't become micromanaging, overbearing, this helicopter parent. Yep. All those things don't create the right behaviors within teams. So it's, so again, it's those types of things. And I found that unfortunately people've never seen or never been a part of a really great team where they can think in their head, Oh, that's what that looks like. Right. Oh, that's how I should behave. it's there's just some floundering because you're trying to figure it out right. So I use these stories to try and paint a picture and give them tools on how to figure th- those things out and how to work together to make that team what it can be.
1: I mean I've I have a, a it's a story, a sports metaphor if you if you will about hockey and the reaction is to uh, resistance to scrum masters. And that people have, and I use it for two things. I use it for T-shapedness and I use mm-hmm. it for scrum masters and it's the hockey goalie. So, and I wrote a blog post about it a few years ago and, and it's like, well, what if you don't have like the scrum master? Well, you don't need a goalie right you could opt out of a goalie right. uh and how many how many games would you win if you didn't have a goalie if you depended on everyone being the goalie mm-hmm. but no one was specialized no one was the scrum master what would that look like and right. people even if you're not a hockey fan you viscerally understand hockey teams ice fast paced and you understand the role mm-hmm. of, of the goalie uh so i uh and that gets people to actually think of oh you know what you know, you you know teams do you do need specialized yeah it's not bad to have specialized people, mm-hmm. right? They, and that's what folks look at. Oh, it's, you know, I'm wasting my money on a scrum master. Well, you're wasting your money on a, on a goalie as well, right? right? They're a specialized, you know, everyone has a stick. Mm-hmm. Everyone has pads. Uh, uh, the other thing, the other the other part of that is t- in T-shapedness, I often talk about, and these are, And I love it when I see this. And again, I'm not a big hockey fan, but you know, I just I observe hockey games every once in a while. And if you've ever seen someone like the goalie is out of position, Mm -hmm. you see the goalie is sort of. Sometimes they get smacked out of position. Sometimes they get themselves out of position. And a defenseman will throw themselves in front of the puck. Did you ever see that? Mm -hmm. And if you ever read about, uh, and this is sort of me telling the story. I mean, goalie pads are specialized. I mean, they're thick. Yeah, the mask is thick. Uh, if you ever look at their pads, I mean, they're well-protected and they still talk about hurting. I mean, this, like, pick up a puck. You ever pick up a puck? Yeah. It's, like, pretty heavy. And it's frozen at and the time. And it's frozen. <laughs> and it's going at, like, 100 miles an hour. Right. And it smacks into you. So, and you're padded and it still hurts. The goalies talk about, I mean, it hits them in the mask sometimes mm-hmm. in their, their days. Mm-hmm. And a defenseman who has no mask... Typically, they might not have a mask. Mm-hmm. They certainly don't have the padding and they throw. you ever see a defenseman like throw themselves in mm-hmm. front of the puck mm-hmm. and they take one for the team? I mean, I think of it as taking literally, one. Literally. Yeah. They literally take one for the team. Uh, and they don't, that's not an uncommon practice and that's that t-shapeness are they a goalie no Mm -hmm. do they endeavor to be a goalie (laughs) no No. but will they will they do that you also see it in basket or you see it in basketball teams and not where someone like Olay, someone out front a guard will Olay someone coming in like lebron james right helping on defense and either someone you'll see someone who actually helps and takes a charge or at least tries to help. And then do you ever see those people that like actually step away mm-hmm. and they create like an open lane, right? So it's like either you're T shaped and you're working for the team or you're not. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the analogies in Agile teams are there mm-hmm. for that. That the T shaped analogy. And to me it's just intent. Do you have the intent or the will? Right? It's a will thing to do right. that. Uh I don't know But to me
0: that that's that's team first. That's Which goes back to this ultimate topic of everything that we were talking about where people weren't putting the team first. So those are examples that people can then start to correlate of, oh, okay, so when I'm choosing not to test because my tester partner is busy and the to-be-tested column is stacked full or whatever. Right. And I just move on to the next fun thing that I want to do, I'm not actually helping the team move stuff all the way to the right.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that I, I, I use the Patriots. I hate the Patriots. I hate Village. I hate them. I don't it's like a, them either, but you have to respect them. I do respect them. But man, it's like, I get so tired of how many times they win. Right? I know. I know. And it's the goat, right? I have the, if I hear goat one more time, I'm going to spend. Yeah.
0: That, that term's way overused. It's
1: way over. It's way overused. But, um, though one of the things that also I find with in sports is you're not, you're not paid to go both ways. Uh, You're paid for a primary job and it's, and everything you do is dangerous, right? Mm -hmm. You can get hurt on the next play. But I think out of all the teams in the NFL, the, I think the Patriots have gotten more people to play out of position, Mm -hmm. like when they need to be, if it's an emergency, like I've seen wide receivers play defensive back for the Mm -hmm. Patriots. I've seen uh, defensive black backs play wide receiver. Um, And they do it and they go do it two ways. Uh, Because there's a weakness or something. So So that's
0: a cultural – that's with cultural intent. So they they sign players with that true T-shaped approach. They are world-class at being receivers, but they also have the
1: capability to do other things. If – and and not just the capability, but the willingness. Yeah. Right. Like I'm 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 really emphasizing it. And I I it may not be quite as dangerous as I'm saying, but if I if I double the amount of pay, plays I play, mm-hmm. right? I yeah. You know, I have twenty plays on as an, a receiver, and I have twenty plays. Now I've just doubled my chances of getting freaking hurt. Yeah. And the NFL doesn't have – I could lose salary. I can lose money. Yeah. And literally – There is no guarantee, yeah. There is no guarantee. So I'm taking – I'm literally taking one for the team. Uh, and there's a risk associated with that. Yeah. And I've I've noticed that over the years. It doesn't happen, you know, all the time. No. But but it's this, you know, this T-shirt, this willingness to take one for the team. This but again,
0: to me, the thing that separates them is they are willing to say no – To extremely talented people that don't fit the profile that t-shaped profile they are willing to not sign those best in class people because they aren't best in their class right they don't fit the mold and they're willing to say no to folks that other people might be clamoring to sign because they don't fit with the core values of who they are and who they want to be where it really is team first right so that's from my perspective, that clear vision of who we are and who we want to be and how we're going to get it done separates them. And that's the same thing that I strive for with our teams.
1: Yep. Let's switch gears a little bit. Let's switch it up. I wanted to talk about in my Cal classes, um, I talk a lot. It's one of the first things um, we explore is – is what is your, why are you passionate about uh, agile? Mm -hmm. What's your personal why? So not what's your group why Mm -hmm. or your organizational why, but what's your personal why? And uh, I've actually put a mind map together and I share it with people. It's my mind map. And I talk about um, part of my own personal why is how I've seen teams. I get jazzed up by seeing individuals work in agile teams and achieve group success, greater success in teams than any individual can. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that repeatedly where, you know, teams are working well in, in traditional organizations, but like high performance agile teams, uh, you know, the joy, the the joy of getting more done in a sprint by doing teamwork, the, uh, the joy in a customer's eyes or a stakeholder's eyes when they see teams that over deliver, mm-hmm. um, applause i've seen i've seen literally not all the time of course but i remember at channel advisor once our ceo almost you could see tears in his eyes during a sprint demo where where he was just blown away by what the team it wasn't it was not just the it was not just the results but they overcame things they had innovation there was this one set of stories that they delivered but they also took initiative and they cleaned up some stuff, mm-hmm. and they found some bugs and they fixed some bugs that were costing us money, literally costing us money. And so it was that combine, it was that combo of that that really was emotional because you rarely see teams do that. Mm-hmm. And and so that's the things uh, teams that they lose their number one, you lose your subject matter expert. But you'd have no hit in velocity. And not that the velocity is the point, but it's like you realize that there's no single points of failure. Mm-hmm. It's this team is a freaking team, right? And uh, Or someone's mother gets sick or child gets sick and they need to take a week off. And you see the team step up and coheser and cover for that person. And they have the ability to cover for that. They mm-hmm. have the intent to cover for that. That's the sort of stuff. What what am I saying? I'm saying value, customer, teamwork, joy, uh, delivery, business results. Mm -hmm. It's this combination. Mm -hmm. That's my why. As a leader, if I can create the recipe for teams that do that, that's what drives me. Uh, And that's the best way to build software. So I'm convinced that that's the best way to build software. It's the most humane way to build software. Mm -hmm. Everything else is sort of dysfunctional. I'm not saying it's perfect, right? You still have challenges. You still have failures and stuff. But I try to talk about those moments, those moments when people, like moments to me when people are running through the hallway having fun during a sprint. So the pressure's on and they're delivering the goods, but they're also having fun doing it. Uh, they, they joke with each other, et cetera. And I try – so my personal why it, around Agile is ecosystem towards results, equity. So not one constituency wins more than – so the business doesn't override the team. Mm-hmm. The team doesn't override – uh, Any the team, the individuals, et cetera. I hope I'm making sense. Well, but I the, the, the
0: other magical thing is the team doesn't override the business. So the team understands the value they deliver and what they're trying to do, yeah. and they make intelligent choices that maybe the business never thought of.
1: And they can make those intelligent. You see them be able, and you see the business's eyes light up, whether that's a person or a group, et cetera. So my personal why is around that. And I try to share, just like I did just then, I was doing a bit of a role play there, but I'm trying to bring meaningful things, my history. That's what drives me. That's why you've heard me joke about it. If you threaten me with my job, like, Bob, you need to not do Agile this project, mm-hmm. or you're fired. I would take fire, even yeah. if I was broke, because it, that just, just demanding things or breaking the balance of what I described does not generate the results so i'm i'm committed to this is a way of delivery right and that's that's sort of my personal why the reason i share that story with people is sometimes i think everyone has to have that personal why for themselves they yeah. have to the what's in it for me right that you it's so agile software development is hard it's a hard environment. Businesses are hard. So I think we need to be resilient. We need to have a foundation, a little mm-hmm. rock that says, in our heart, what are we anchored to? to are we committed to agility or are we not? Yeah. And, and where's our anchor point? So then
0: as as a listener of that story, that should get me thinking about, am I really committed? Like, am I really serious about this? Am I going to fight through the difficult moments, the difficult decisions, make the unpopular choice when I know it's the right thing for what we're trying to, to become.
1: Right. I'm trying to challenge you. I'm trying to challenge you, not you personally, yep. with that story. I'm trying to challenge people to, to find that place.
0: Right. So I'm thinking of the people that are in that class yeah. and I hear Bob up there talking about this and I'm thinking about what, what thoughts that would drive in my brain, it would start to trigger. Okay. Am I as bought in on this as I need to be? Or am I just here because somebody told me to? Yeah. Or because I want to get a piece of paper. Right. It gets down to, oh gosh, this is hard. So I've got a choice to make right here, right now. Am I in? Am I gonna help learn it and so I can go make this happen? Or right. do I need to bail and find something else? And and if I'm
1: even part in, the other thing is it's not it's not so binary. I'm I'm like, understand your gaps. And then go create a story for your commitment. I hope so. So let's say you're half committed, you're Mm -hmm. half in, you're enough in, and this is where you want to be. Well, then as a leader, you need to fill in the cracks. Right? Okay, I got you. You need to fill in your foundation. Uh, You need to fake it until you. So I, I, and I'm serious about this. So until you make it, you need to fake it. Mm -hmm. So, so as a leader, so get either get out of the business. Or while you're in there, and if you're only half in the game, fake it, one. And then, two, figure out how do you find – So part of storytelling, I think, is is inspiring people maybe to understand their gaps and to go fill them. in. As a leader, I, I'd rather they not bail. I'd rather they go back and say, how do I shore up my foundation? Well, but that's, that's a really good – like, I've never
0: thought about it like that because I think back to the stories that we just talked about with teamwork.
1: What we're trying to do
0: is we're trying to help people – identify the gaps that they have and give them tools to fill them. Yeah. You know like okay so here's what teams look like, here's what a good agile leader looks like, here's what transformation is, here's the challenge you're going to be presented with. This is how
1: you get and, through and, it. And I it is not actually bail and I'm not picking on what you said. Yeah. I I, or, I it's it's, yeah. it's it's actually, you know, sort of gap analysis. It's like wherever you're at, I don't yeah. really know. In fact, in something like this where it's your personal why, I have no freaking clue where your where your heart is. Yeah. But here's what it might look like: be at you know sort of internalize it, be mm-hmm. empathetic, be empathetic to yourself, internalize it, and then figure out what that gap is, and then try to fill that. Yeah. Uh, I would say that with teams. So some some I think some whys are helpful. Um, have you ever done like soapbox? I think you were talking about it. I've done soapbox moments as a scrum master, where, uh, yeah. where I talk about little mini training. These yeah. are little mini stories around like sprint planning and planning poker, and um, I don't know what what like like little t- stand up. Yeah, the, and the, I the, and the, I talk 15, about yeah. the why behind it, yeah. not just oh, it's a fifteen minute stand up with three questions. That's not the point. But why do you have it? Yeah, this actually came up last night on our stream, and we talked
0: about. Everything came back to coaching. So the NFL playoffs were going on. I was thinking about football. The the viewers, listeners were thinking about football, so we were talking about timeouts. What
1: was your time Was your stream last night? Seven o'clock. That was a that was a bad time. Oh, I know.
0: I kicked off the stream like, Man, this was terrible timing. Oh my god. <laughs> terrible timing. Well there
1: were two overtimes, right? I know, During the I day. Know.
0: Well, not only was it terrible timing from potential viewers slash listeners, but that first game went into overtime yeah. and I was watching it. So I was left with like 15 minutes to get everything yeah. set up and rolling. But we talked about timeouts and how you should have a limited number of timeouts. You you don't want to call a timeout on everything, but I talked about in standups, there's times where I call a timeout and I stop everything and I say, okay, we're off the rails because of X, Y, and Z. And that's where I hit the Y. That's why I get people recentered. On Why we're doing this what a stand-up is about or what a planning is about and someone asked the question like well Do you always call a timeout and I said no, it's just like in sports You got to have a limited number of timeouts Otherwise, you're going to be that boy or girl who cries wolf and you call timeout about everything and people stop listening so you have to understand the importance of now's a time when I need to jam on the emergency brakes, stop everything get everybody recentered because we're going in the wrong direction, get people to understand why we're here, why we're doing what we're doing, and then say, "Okay, time in, go." So those are the things that you have to do it. Otherwise, stuff just starts going in the left field, and you can never recover it. It it gets out of your control. Absolutely,
1: I, I'm I'm thinking about like different types of delivery. So I'll I'll do it this way. We're kicking off an organizational why, mm-hmm. right? We're let's you and I are kicking off an organiza- an agile transformation in a or- small organization. Mm-hmm. We're in a room with a hundred people, fifty people to a hundred people, and we're trying to kick that off. And we want to maybe start out with why are we doing it? But but I want to put a twist in it and see how you react. I might tell a story of like my last agile failure. I do that all the time, right, and I might talk about company I'll probably, i'd probably i probably wash out the company example mm-hmm. and and it would probably not be a coaching example. It'd probably be more personal I, to me, yep, I do right? that too, and it yeah. would be like you know, I screwed the pooch uh and and so and and we're doing this grandiose kickoff, and everyone's excited, right we're calling agile, and there's energy in the room, and what do I start with? I start with failure mm-hmm. and i and it's my failure. And I tell this, you know, uh, you know, I didn't do it this way, and the teams reacted this way, and I take eighty percent of it on my shoulders, right? Mm-hmm. It's my bad. And here's what I learned, and then I start during the, in the story, I start crafting it forward to my learnings, mm-hmm. and um, and then I would kick into like this new opportunity, and I don't know how much I would connect the dots, but I'm really going what I, I'm trying to message in the failure. Like keys. I would probably, I might even twist the story to be, let's say I, this team culture, like leadership isn't all on board, like we talked about, Mm -hmm. not all the leaders. I would probably amplify my previous story. Well, one of our, one of our failure factors was everyone was giving it lip service, but no one really was walking the talk. And when push came to shove and the dates hit us in the face. Right. We, we crumbled and freaking went back to our, we went back to our old patterns of just driving dates and kicking teams and 30% attrition later and a failed project. Here I am with a new job in this company, et mm-hmm. cetera. And there's a message, um, and, and sort of, um, it's risky and I'm showing vulnerability. <laughs> yeah. And I might be self deprecating in that to some degree and I'm connecting it to the springboard. Uh have you ever used that style you said? I've done it um the last two transformations I've kicked off
0: I've started like that and the leader that's sitting next to me just I can feel the look that they're giving me like what are you saying to these people? But you do have to go full circle and I found that vulnerability is key because you're this third party that they brought in and they have this expectation that you know everything and you're om- omniscient and <laughs> so what i try to do like hey i'm just a guy yep. i've made mistakes yep but i can tell you i've learned from my mistakes i'm here to help you make less mistakes than i've made i'm i'm here to help you learn from the the mistakes i've made we're going to make mistakes too but that's okay here's how we're going to rally around it here's how we're not going to let those mistakes kill us here's how we're going to learn from exactly. it here's how we're going to grow so i so i put that in place that, number one, I don't know everything, but I've been through a lot. So I try and paint the picture of this grizzled old veteran that has a ton of battle scars. You do and, try
1: to paint that picture. Yeah.
0: And these battle scars are not, for you, right? Like I've earned these for you. But so you're now, just a youngster
1: compared to Well,
0: that. It's weird. Like
1: I'm but starting you are to be grizzled. the old guy.
0: You are the old, yeah. You uh, c- so there, there's a couple places where I work where I'm the old guy. How
1: does that feel, Josh weird it does feel weird, weird. doesn't it yeah. I'm like the oldest guy in a lot of context yeah. sometimes and it, it bugs the crap out of me because in my brain I feel like I'm 30 something yeah and clearly I'm not 30 <laughs> something so no <laughs> so, so I was I was wondering I think that's so so that's, that's what are you connecting so you're connecting to I'm real mm-hmm. uh, I'm not afraid to fail. I'm not embellished so I try not to I'm not proud of it. I'm right. not I'm not putting it up on a pedestal uh but I have experience. Mm-hmm. I have good and bad experience. Uh, I meet you're meeting people where they are. You're not on a pedestal, right? You're mm-hmm. human, mm-hmm. right? You're we're we're in this together, I think right. is part of it. Um and
0: I try and create a dialogue. So one of the things that I do is I talk about in those failures here's how we work together as a team yeah, to get it going. So I'm like, So you're okay. leaning
1: towards not me telling us. Yeah, yeah, right. So you're going to us. That's another right. emphasis. Right, because I don't
0: want it to be just about me. Like, oh, here's the agile transformation leader. Yep. He's going to be the one that gets us there.
1: No, I am the one that's going to help you get there. And you're setting the stage that way, yeah. right? You're setting the stage. I think the vulnerability is key. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, another thing I wrote down when I was thinking of, so I think of vulnerability, self-deprecation, we and self and they they're, they're in related in a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I try to use humor and I try to use all three of those things together to connect in our storytelling, to mm-hmm. be real in storytelling and whatever I do. Do you find yourself using them as, as well? So sort of yeah. Yeah,
0: that's that's who I right so it's hard for me to disagree with that given how we roll with our podcast.
1: Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, that's true. We
0: have fun and that's who we are and and back to your why you want it to be humane and fun. Like, work is work. It's yeah. called work for a reason. It's not called funsy playtime. Right. But you still want it to be an enjoyable experience because of the amount of time you're spending together. You want it to be re- rewarding professionally, but also on a personal basis. Like, you want to look forward to coming into work. Yes, challenging work will help you do that, but also the people you work with and the way you – interact with them plays a huge role in that. Yep. And if you don't look forward to that, or if you dread every meeting or you dread talking to anybody, I don't understand how you can come into work every day. Yes. Knowing that that's how that's going to be.
1: Let me explain one of my favorite Failure stories and then see how you react. So, and this is a true story, but I think I stretch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, I know I stretch it. So, at uh, I think this was a channel advisor. I use so many eye contact stories, and this is a channel advisor story. There was a team uh, who was, um, they couldn't meet their sprint commitments. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, you know, they were constantly, you know, commit to like 50 points and, or something, and then they would deliver like twenty points, et cetera. And then I, I suggested to them that they just sprint, or or whatnot. And I'm like, I would take two points. Um, so so it's like, no, it's a different story. I'm I I I told my story badly. Oh no! So it was this. It was a story where I asked a team to stretch they were getting complacent mm-hmm. and the team 25 points of capacity and at the end of one sprint they they took me on and they like took risks and they stretched on stories and all of this stuff and they delivered like two points at the end of the sprint uh and they probably delivered 10 but i always tell it like 30 points and they delivered two and they went down in flames. And I talk about a phoenix like rising from the ashes where they hit the ground mm-hmm. and they were embarrassed. And it was a terrible. It wasn't a terrible demo, but the only, you know, two points does not a real, you know, demo make, et cetera, mm-hmm. et cetera. So I'm embellishing. So I'm exaggerate to embellish the point. I was exaggerating that the, the, what I was proud of is the fact that they took a risk. Mm-hmm. What I was proud of is they did the demo no matter what. Uh, what I was proud of is myself. I had to defend the team. So I use the leadership example that we have to defend that team, right? Mm-hmm. People can miss in the audience can misperceive failure mm-hmm. and they can overreact to failure. Yeah. And I'm trying to get all of these points together, but. And you know this is my style. I'm overly dramatic sometimes and I'm overly I, I, embellished. I've Have you ever noticed.
0: noticed no, no, and I haven't really? And, and I do. This is shocking.
1: I know. It's but I'm I'm showing you a, a wow. little inkling of my soul. This
0: changes everything for me.
1: But I think I think when we're telling stories, sometimes and you can tell me if this is right or wrong, and I'll take the feedback. Mm-hmm. But I think the embellishment gets the point across some you know, if, I'm exaggerating Think about to get tall the point tales, across, right? Think right? about the
0: tall tales. Right, the the tall, you know, Paul Paul Bunyan and and yeah. the Babe the Blue Ox, Yeah. right? That's it.
1: There's a. Is there a reason why you bring up? Paul Bunyan and Babe the Blue. No,
0: that was the first one. That, or Johnny oh, Appleseed, or okay, whatever. Okay, whatever those okay. tall tales were, right? Those, yeah, those they were big. Those were big. Those were attention grabbers. But the underlying meaning yeah. is what it's really about. So yes, there was exaggeration that Paul Bunyan was eighty five feet tall or whatever, and Babe the Blue Ox was a hundred feet or whatever, right? I think All those we have things. To, I right? think but it's effective
1: the, when we exaggerate. Yeah. I think we have. You know, you have to pick it's it. It's a story. It's a story. So it's I, not it, a newspaper. And it's not not the factual journalism, and the impact. What's the point of the story? Is the impact right? Mm -hmm. Like, are we getting their attention? So I, I try. Yeah, there has to be realistic embellishment, but and the reason I think I'm melodramatic sometimes is because I think it works. Mm -hmm. It's effective. So it's not melodrama for me. I'm not always that comfortable with it, but I can see it in people's eyes that it's connecting. They're walking away. I think the story is you want to see if people walk away thinking you can mm-hmm. see it in their eyes. Did they glaze over, or are they paying attention? Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 then are they walking away thinking?
0: Yeah. So, uh,
1: sometimes in storytelling, I even walk around. Did you ever do that? Walker. Oh, you are the biggest walker I've ever met. But I'm but I'm not just walking. I'm looking. I'm Oh make,
0: no, you I'm making you I, walk and you like get in I people's get, faces. I get in
1: people's faces. Yeah. I'm trying to engage in the I'm trying I do that in when I'm inside a company. It's not just in yeah. conferences and stuff. I wonder is it so embellishment, getting in people's faces, connection. Important? What do you think? Absolutely. Is it part of your style? So for, from an embellishment perspective,
0: yes. Um I, again I go back to the stories that stick with, so think about movies that tell a story without just flat out telling you this is, this is what we're trying to get across. Like it would be kind of boring if you just said, Hey, we're trying to teach you to be a better person, but they use a story to tell that there's some exaggeration. There's all those things, the good versus the bad. Everything goes along with that. There's ultimately that, that that's about. So to me, that's a part of it. Um, and you can't like people, you can go overboard, right? I don't think we're telling people to have 100% creative license and just make crazy things. Up. No, no, no. But there's points where, you know, a two becomes a 20 or a 200 or something to make it a more effective story to yeah. what you're looking for is you're getting somebody to sit up and listen, right? You've got to put that little, different spin on there. They're like, Oh, okay. Well that's different. Okay. Now, now you have me hooked. Now I'm going to, again, it can't be like clickbait where there's no depth to it or you got to have depth behind it. But I think when your stories come from reality and real experience, it's there. That depth is there. So to me, that's the thing that if you're going to embellish it, make sure it's backed with depth. Absolutely. Otherwise, it's going to ring hollow, and your credibility is out the window.
1: You've talked a lot about seven times – well, seven times seven repeating things. Can you repeat stories? I think the answer is yes. I mean, you have to be careful Uh, that you don't come off like Grandpa Bob who – forgets the stories they tell but
0: so there, there's here's a story about stories um at one company that i worked at the ceo told the same story every company meeting okay that right and that didn't work yeah. That again people started to question okay does does this guy really have anything important to tell us? Or right. is this just his story that he uses to convince himself that the company's going in the right direction? Right. And it became like, oh, here we go again. You right. know, like, and for, and for the new people, it was cool and it was exciting. But if you had been there a year, it was like the you fifth time more. in a row yeah. you've heard the story. Yeah. Like, okay, so what, that can't be the only story about our company. Uh, because you know, he's out there talking to investors and other partners and is he just doing that same thing. So I think you need to repeat it. Um, it can't be every time, but again, that seven times is important, and it might be seven times for that message. Maybe you send that message three different ways, but you send it seven times in total. So that, again, everybody's journey to learning what you're yeah. trying to teach them is different. You have people that just started, people that have been with you for five years. You can't assume everybody's heard the same thing right. the same amount of times. And there's times when I start off a story. Like hey, for those of you that have been with me for five years, you may have heard this before. So,
1: so I like, but it's still important, right?
0: It's still important, and here's why.
1: Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah, you have to be sensitive, but I think we also have to be the consummate communicators. Yeah, we do, we do that. One thing I've done now that I'm thinking about it is I mind the group for story. So it's not always me as storyteller. I can mine a group for stories. Like anyone have an idea? You know, anyone have any examples of successful sprints? I want you to quickly share what they look like. And you can get a couple if you have an interactive audience, like a group or whatever. Mm-hmm. So now I'm storytelling as a conductor rather than storytelling. I'm mining the audience. Yeah. Uh, I'm filling in the gaps, and there's a method to my madness. I'm I'm trying to get some points across. So I'm the conductor of mm-hmm. it. Have you ever done that? I. I don't do that
0: exactly, but i I do a lot of outsourcing. so i I grew up, movies were a huge part of who I was. okay And there's things that stick in my brain from movies. So I use a lot of movie clips, and i'll I'll play a movie, or I'll play a scene from a movie or from a show. And i'll ask the team okay why did i why did I show that to you guys
1: so so that's an example of yeah. what i'm talking about it's i so that's what i'm so mining for the why, so mm-hmm. we can tell so it's creating this i think part of you know storytelling is is creating that shared we own the story we're developing mm-hmm. the story together, yeah. Right. And and if we can get that's why I walk around. If we can walk around, if Mm -hmm. we can make eye contact, if we can have the audience fill in and react, I love your react to movies, react Mm -hmm. react to music, whatever it is. Now we're creating maybe that's a key here in is creating a shared story. Yeah. Maybe we come in with with unique direction, but if we leave with it it's starting to become our story. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay, so you've done some of that. One final point, and this is the end of my notes. Mm -hmm. Um, Well we've done good we're doing good mm-hmm. uh negative examples what not to do so we we talk a lot about <laughs> we talk a lot about like the positive stories mm-hmm. i think we've been talking but there's also this like anti-pattern stories or what not to do or you know, I've sometimes, like I've told stories of folks, that's a great idea. It's like you and I were talking about an idea before the medicast, mm-hmm. Josh, that's a wonderful idea. You know, I've had that proposed to me a thousand times, 999 times. That's never worked out very right, well yeah. for a variety of reasons. I'm really engaging in the one <laughs> time. Mm-hmm. But, but it's like what I've communicated is it's a risky proposition, et cetera. Right.
0: But that's part of my failure stories, as I talk about the times that I've failed and then how we bounce back from that. Okay. So um, there's a classic example that I've used where I had a team that was always getting 20 points done, right? So you talked about getting a team to try and stretch. And it turns out they were just afraid to fail. Yep. So going back to my movie example, I show them this clip from Mythbusters where they talk about failure is always an option. So I said in front of the entire team, failure is an option. It's okay to fail. Yeah. What happened is they over rotated, and everybody started failing everything. Every and, sprint was a disaster, and but they were hanging on what I said, and they said, "But Josh, you said failure is always an option, so we're failing." That's not the only option. You said this is what you wanted, yeah, exactly. right? So then I had to, I had to reel them back in, like, okay. Yeah. But we're here to win, exactly. You know, like we're exactly. we're not here to lose every we're game. We're getting money for we're failure. We're here to win. What I was trying to get you to understand was that it's it's okay to try new things and stretch. Yep. But we ultimately need to win. Yep. Otherwise we're not going to be here. Yep. <laughs> you know? um, So we're happy about what we're building and where we're going. So failure is an option, but it's not the option. So I allowed the team to over rotate and yep. I believe that it was the option, not an option. Yep. So that was, so that when I see teams that are afraid to do that, I tell that story in, in hopes of preventing them from over-rotating like that other team did yep. and getting them to see and learn from the mistakes I've made and from the negative choices that people made because of how I led people down a path. So those are things like that where I tell the negative story. And in fact, I just did it. um I did it probably a month or so ago where um, I introduced research spikes and there's this common pattern where, Now everybody creates a spike for everything. Oh, cool. Like you can't do a story without Without a research spike.
1: And that's an anti-pattern. Right, right? and that's
0: an anti-pattern. So we were in a planning session and a developer wanted to create a research spike. And I said, no. Like, well, what what you just said research spikes were important. So then I had to tell the story about that team where everything became a research spike. It's like, there's times where we know enough to just go figure it out. We don't have to spend five points to go figure it out, right? We can try to find that right balance. So trying to paint that picture around, there's a balance and we have to figure it out together.
1: One, one final, maybe wrap up the medicast this way is, and I think as storytellers, we want to influence storytelling so I've worked with people I've worked with you and I think over since I've known you not that I've influenced you but you you've become a better storyteller I've just observed yeah. that. Mary Thorne who I've worked with, has become a better storyteller Lee Easton is this guy I worked with years ago and he's he's a and I remember when I worked with him he would sort of tell stories in from the team's perspective he mm-hmm. would chime in I if if I interviewed Lee back then he would not say he's a storyteller but he was he was he would react, you know, where I like would have that open-ended question. He would be one of the team members who would chime up and who would embellish the story or add nuance to a story. Mm-hmm. So I think the final goal, Metacasters, is not for us – and, and again, this is an agile context – the, the sole burden is not on us to become storytellers. It's to create a storytelling environment mm-hmm. where stories become the way that we communicate sort of goodness and badness to each other. and but we Just improve.
0: think about entertainment, yeah. Think about what you give your money up for.
1: Yeah. For books,
0: for podcasts, for Twitch streams, for movies, for TV shows. Yeah. For Sirius Satellite Radio, yeah. right? There's in there there's a story that you're paying for.
1: In the next retrospective you have, I encourage people to tell stories in the next stand up uh instead of answering the three questions, tell a quick story. So mm-hmm. it's there's a, there's storytelling Opportunities. The next time a demo challenge, whoever's doing the demo and doing a sprint review or a demo, to tell to be when you're preparing for it, ask the question of what story are we going to leave the audience with? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, what are they going to walk out with? What's going to be their impression? It's put on storytelling everywhere. Uh, Yes, it's a leader thing or scrum masters. Maybe there's there's roles that have more opportunity. Product owners. But I think I think the more the organization finds these opportunities for sto- to, you know situational storytelling everywhere, the better we are, the better off mm-hmm. we are. With that, from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina, I'm Bob Galen, and I'm Josh Anderson. Shake and bake. Take care, y'all.